This is the Relentless College Entrepreneur Podcast by Hunter Beal. How's it going, everyone? Back with another podcast episode. Today, we're going to be talking about thinking outside the box, featuring Mike Dembski, a good friend of mine who is starting a company called Reflect. I'm going to have him explain it a little better than I probably would. So we're going to just be diving in with multiple questions I'll be asking him and what's his thinking process, how he's creative, how he thought outside the box because his company Reflect is definitely a great example of thinking outside the box. How I met Mike was through my fraternity, Phi Gamma Delta, otherwise known as Fiji, and he is actually an entrepreneurial management student as well, major, and I am too. So we definitely connected and definitely have the same grind mentality, so to say. With that being said, Mike, give us a background on yourself. All right. Well, first off, thank you for having me on, Hunter. I'm a big fan of what you're doing. I like the grind. I respect that a lot background. So I guess to start, kind of go, ever since I was a kid, I've been really into engineering, um, playing with Legos, all that kind of fun stuff, watching documentaries, really big into that. I'd even take apart Nerf guns, try to learn how they would work and all that fun stuff. So that kind of led me into high school where I thought I was going to go into engineering. I was doing engineering classes. I actually have some college credit for engineering classes. But in high school, I was always all about the entrepreneurship. My parents were actually entrepreneurs thought I would take the same path path as them. They were engineers, and then they started their own business after that. So I always kind of figured that was the route I was going to go with it. I found entrepreneurship at Ball State and and decided to fully go for it. I knew I really loved it in in high school. I had two kind of businesses, well, one business and one more of a side hustle. My first business was real business, I guess. I had a bunch of other small ones before that, but what I actually consider a real business was called Distinctive Decals. I would make custom die-cut decals and kind of just market them through social media and things like that. So really learned about like starting a business that way. And I also kind of had even a side hustle beyond that. I was at the time uh, throughout like middle school, even into early high school, I was really into paintball. So I would actually buy paintball guns and then flip them to to make a profit. So always have been kind of about entrepreneurship life. And so so that's kind of my background. All right. Thanks, Dembski, for a good background. Again, me and Dembski are very similar in that aspect. I started hustling in high school, buying Supreme, a brand, and then flipping it. Same with shoes, Jordans that were limited in stock. I'd buy and flip. There's many side hustles I was doing, and that's really how a lot of us entrepreneurs start. It's with that side hustle, and you're like, "Ah, I really like this. I like working for myself and making more money than I would with someone else, and just the fact that you're a boss. I really like that. So we're going to move into the next question. Dembski, what is your business idea? (laughs) That's a good question. My business idea is pretty out there, out of this world, as I like to say. I want to take a little bit of ashes or locks of hair from a lost loved one and make them a twinkling star in the night sky. So this is done using a satellite that will actually inflate in space. It'll bounce photons of light from the sun back down to Earth in uh, evening time. So when you look up at the sky to your naked eye, it'll look like a twinkling star above. So, so that's ultimately kind of where I'm hoping to go with it. But uh, to start here, um, my minimum viable product, my MVP, is just going to be taking a little bit of ashes or locks of hair and putting them on a satellite and getting that in the space. So your loved one can rest with the stars 
peacefully, tranquilly, always looking down the, the real beautiful side of that. And then beyond that, also, there's an application you will have on your phone that will let you get push notifications on exactly when your loved one's overhead. And then we'll also let you point your phone up at the sky to be able to track exactly where and when they're passing overhead. So kind of out there, kind of out of this world, but a really, really cool, lovely way to honor someone who you lost. One of the big reasons I was having Dembski, I love his business idea. Me and him are a lot alike, like I've stated many times, but his business idea, like he said, quite literally is out of this world and has a lot to do with today's topic, thinking outside the box, which we'll be getting into a little bit more right now is a brief detail on his company and just getting some information from Dembski. So the next question, Dembski, is how did you come up with your business idea? So coming up with my business idea was kind of a, a weird process. I, I'm going to tell it like it kind of came as it was, but everything kind of ebbs and flows and some of these things didn't necessarily line up. So, but more of, uh, as an entrepreneur, always thinking about business ideas that I could do. And I was kind of thinking about what industry had no innovation and what industry really sucks. And so I kind of came with, well, the funeral industry, I had a terrible experience actually with my own grandpa when he passed away. And then I was thinking back more to it about like the funeral service and, and doing a little bit of research on it. Found out the funeral industry hasn't really changed since the 1850s. Up until the Industrial Revolution, funerals were more of parties. People would celebrate, drink, have a good time. And then all of a sudden, Industrial Revolution hit and people all of a sudden were looking down, crying at funerals. It was a very sad, somber event. Coming up with, well, my personal experiences with my grandfather were always very happy, upbeat, um, where me, my brother, and my brother, sister, and I were all considered his three musketeers. So we're always having fun, playing, laughing, smiling. So when I came to his funeral, though, everything was looking down and feeling sad and just did not feel right. I felt my grandfather would not want the last way he was remembered to be crying and looking down. So all that kind of wrapped up together to be like, oh, I think there's something there. As for the actual business idea itself, that's how I figured out, well, the funeral industry needs to change. As for actually figuring out making people stars in the sky. As I mentioned earlier, my background has a lot of engineering into it. I'm kind of a nerd in that aspect. Really think that stuff's kind of cool. I kind of took the approach, well, what would I think would be really cool? Because, I don't know, I like to think I have a high bar of thinking, oh, what's cool, what's out of this world, what's not. So kind of figured out that way that oh maybe this is actually possible and, and looking into more into the finances of like oh maybe I could actually really do this for people provide this as a service so that's how I kind of got there what would be the really cool way what would I want my grandfather to, to have done what would he, what would he want done that's how I came up with the idea itself in particular kind of kind of everything kind of lined up the stars aligned <laughs> <laughs> thanks Dembski for sharing your kind of story all of us go through those tough, rough patches, and I 100% agree with Dembski. A lot of the times someone passes away, everyone's upset, sad, when in reality the person that passed away would want something better. They would want to celebrate their life that they had with us at, in the time that we got to spend together. So I, I very much so love Dembski's idea. He's definitely, with whatever he does, and hopefully with this business, not hopefully, he is going to revolutionize the funeral business. Moving on to the next question, when someone says your idea will fail, what do you think or say? Because we've learned this a lot in the entrepreneurship classes that failure is such a big thing and a lot of people are going to be against you. So what's 
what would you say to someone if someone said your idea is going to fail? Thank you. I know that's kind of surprising, but um, having before I get to that failure point, having someone point out that that I'm going to be falling off a cliff right there is really important. It's going to help me only in my business. So I guess it kind of goes with the caveat. Someone says your idea will fail and gives me nothing beyond that, then it's kind of useless and I just move on like I I don't want to call them haters, but I guess I lump them into that category. So, but I say thank you. And then I kind of ask, and why will it? And so if they explain, well, this side of your business isn't going to work because of this or that reason in particular, um, really pull out those those threads, really try to get all that information I can out of them because ultimately it'll only help me. The best I can do with that is take that information, really account for it and really see if there is something truly there that they're saying. Obviously, you know your business better than anyone else. So what someone was thinking about in your 15, 20 minute, half hour conversation, you could have been thinking about that for years. So it all really comes down to you and and whether you think that is, but ultimately all that criticism and thinking, I I think your idea will fail because of this can only help you, can only prove out your idea more and and make you cautious of things you, you didn't see. Keep, uh, keep an eye on those blind spots. Really good answer to that question. You know, everyone's gonna, there's, everyone's gonna get haters, no matter who you are, the best people in the world, Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, there's always people that are telling them that they're gonna fail. And really, like I said, I use it as fuel motivation. Like Dembski said, trying to pull that information, like, why do you think I'm gonna fail? And again, like Dembski said, could be something you were already thinking about and you've already put into play. Moving on to the next question, who inspired your idea and who continues to inspire you? So for my idea, my my grandpa was probably the big catalyst to that. Again, it was the opposite of all the time I had spent with him up into that point. And so so having that loss, experiencing it, that really that really hurt too. And then I guess who inspires me today? I'm an Elon Musk fan. He does some crazy stuff, but uh, he truly he truly is changing the world. I, I'm a big fan of him. Another one I really like is uh, Brian Chesky, founder of Airbnb. Um, he does a lot of cool things. He took what seemed like an insane idea at the time, sleeping in some random stranger person's house in a um, in a city you've never been to. Scary, crazy idea. And he turned that into a reality. And also, they're saying the always be a serial entrepreneur. He started the company by making cereal boxes and relabeling them. So doing whatever it takes, being scrappy to get that idea going. I really admire him for that. Another one who I really like, Reed Hoffman, founder of LinkedIn. He, first off, he's a really amazing teacher. He does the How I Built This podcast. He also does a bunch of YouTube series about blitzscaling. Does, has a lot of good guest speakers in there, and, and so he's a really good teacher, and I really appreciate all the things he's taught about entrepreneurship and how to grow a company and, and just things to watch out for. But beyond that, I also really admire him because LinkedIn is almost the perfect business. It has a good social network, unlike Facebook or Twitter. It can be so toxic. LinkedIn is, is more or less really positive. It really provides a really good impact in the world for young professionals, any, I should say any professionals trying to progress in their career, really enables them that. And then also beyond that, it's monetizable in in a whole bunch of ways. So kind of really the perfect business. It's helping everyone. I guess finally, those are kind of like the entrepreneurs I really admire. The last one is Eric Schmidt. He used to be the CEO and then the executive chairman of Google before it was Alphabet. He was kind of the uh, adult in the room to Larry Page and Sergey Brin. He 
instead of being the typical businessman and MBA figure of really squeezing profit margins, he really let uh, Larry and Sergey use their creativity, expand Google, and, and that's really why Google is the way it is today. He didn't shut them down too early and really focus on the business. He focused on the products and, and, and took a, what was just a couple of uh, young people making a business and, and really made it something, helped make it something truly amazing. So those are kind of the people who inspire me today. Yeah, me and Dimsky are very similar in the aspect who we looked up to. I actually just loaned Dimsky a Elon Musk book that is a must read. I love it very much. Just Elon's change in the world. He's inspires me, Dimsky as well, like he said. So look out for people that are going to inspire you. It's going to help you along your path. And thinking outside the box is definitely going to be a big help with that, like these people that Dimsky mentioned did. Moving on to the next question, what motivates you? What motivates me? I'm a very progress-driven person. I always like doing something day by day, even if it's a little bit 1% better every day. You'll be amazed with how far you can get. And so beyond that, it's probably, I'm always thinking about what would be really cool. Well, this might be really cool or that might be really cool. And so if I see something like, oh, that would be like really cool, really amazed me. I tend to tend to work towards that and uh, and am motivated by by getting that ultimately done and made in the world. Kind of simple in that aspect, but um, I guess it's, it's what motivates me. Absolutely, that answer is amazing. You know, you have to look at the long-term process of what you're doing rather than short-term, even if, like Dembski said, it's 1% better each day, maybe even lower, 0.01% better each day. It's going to add up over time. Now, moving into the more of the title of this podcast, Thinking Outside the Box, Dembski, how do you think outside of the box? My thinking outside the box is kind of interesting. Probably one of the best ways I can sum it up, it's actually a quote by Peter Thiel. The most certain thing is to not oppose the crowd, but to the most contrarian thing is to think for yourself and not oppose the crowd just for opposing the crowd's sake. It's just not doing the contrarian thing to do the contrarian thing. It's doing what you feel is right, what your morals lead you to do, and whether it be following the crowd or completely opposite following the crowd, doing neither of those, but really thinking for yourself and making your own, your own opinions and making that change in the world yourself. That's kind of how I go about thinking outside the box. It's not necessarily doing the opposite of something, and it's not following the crowd. It's just doing what you think is unique. That might be in between. That might be a mix of both of those things. And uh, I think that's really the true way to think outside the box. That question kind of leads us into our next question. They're kind of similar in an aspect, but what does someone need to do in order to think outside the box? And I know you kind of talked about it, but I didn't know if you had any more information on that. So the big one of that is fostering creativity. Here's a good example. Walking home from class some days, there are a bunch of street lights on my street. It's just a standard street light pole with an L with a light sticking off of it. And just bored one day, I was thinking about like, what could make those really cool? Thinking about cool architectural shapes or things like that, like that could really make them amazing. Thinking outside the box is done by not necessarily thinking about what you want to think outside the box for. If you want to think outside a box for a certain business, how can I do this or that different? Start by not thinking about that business at all and just thinking about random other things. And I think those other things will lead you into having a different idea and a different take on, on that business. So moving on to the next question, we talk a lot about in entrepreneurship 
rejection and failure, why should people not be afraid of rejection or failure? You shouldn't be afraid of failure because it happens to everyone. It's nothing to be ashamed of. It's actually a positive. It's all about the way you look at it. It's often a lot harder to learn lessons from something that goes right than something that goes wrong. So you something could have went right and you would have just made a lucky conclusion about it going right. So luck could have been in your favor. But when it goes wrong, the lessons you learn from it are a lot easier to learn and you can think about it much more in depth. So don't be afraid because it happens to everyone. Look at it as a lesson and look at it as a positive thing. You're not going to make it in the future and you just learn something new. So you're, you're putting work in, you're making something happen and you're learning from it. There, there's nothing bad about that. Most definitely should not be afraid of failure or rejection because that's how one grows. I like to say, we don't lose, we learn. Moving on to the next question, do you think schools kill creativity and why? Most definitely. They, they are the death of creativity. Ever since I was a little kid, I've always hated school. Never really cared that much about grades, at least up until uh, junior, senior years when I'm really getting into stuff I really like. I don't know, it's always been hard motivating myself to, to get good grades. So I think it kills creativity because it's basically like an instruction manual. Um, relating it back to those Legos, school gives you an instruction manual on exactly how to assemble something, and teachers only look that you follow those examples uh, exactly. You, you can't be really very creative with your work. So it's, it's you're following rules, following a manual. So um, what I really liked about when I first got into the entrepreneurship program here, especially junior, senior year, was that Crystal in particular, I still remember the day, she was like, I don't care how you get this done. If you find a better way than writing a paper about something, if it's a PowerPoint or a video or something like that, and you can get your message across better and more efficiently, then do that, I don't care. So got our first assignment and, and it, she had to happen to have wrote it, like, oh, write a paper or something about your business. I can't remember exactly what it was for, but I went up to her after class and was like, oh, can I make a PowerPoint? I think I can get my point across better. She was like, yeah, can you? I don't care. Do, do what you want. And so I was like, oh, my gosh, like this is the place to be. I kind of kind of love it, that the, the creativity and really being the most efficient about getting a point across instead of having a complex idea like mine written down in a paper that no one will ever really fully understand. It's hard to get out. It's a complicated idea to understand that the seeing is truly believing. And in a 15-page paper, I kind of get across and what my one-minute and 30-second video explainer I have on my website is. And people, instead of after reading a paper being glossy-eyed, they're, they're really wowed and they're like, wow, this really is amazing. There is something here. So, yes, I think school crea kills creativity because you're just following an instruction manual and everyone is forced to do the same thing when, in reality, everybody has strengths and weaknesses and might as well play to your strengths. So, so yeah. Definitely agree with Dembski. I read a book, Lynchpin, talking about that. Like in, all the way from when you start kindergarten, you get a list of get a number two pencil, get this, get that, get this, get that. And you're given like an instruction manual. And if you don't follow it exactly how they like it, then you basically in an essence fail. You don't do well. What I love with Crystal Geyer in the entrepreneurship realm at Ball State University is like Dembski said, she was like, it blew my mind when she told us, I don't care. You can do whatever you want, whatever works out best. I remember we had to write like a five page paper over something. And I was like, can I do a YouTube video? I feel like it'd be a lot shorter and more efficient. And I'd get my point across. 
a lot more. And she was like, I don't care, do it. And I'm like, sweet, I did it and got an A on it. She really has altered my mind to be more creative. Like Dembski said, it's really nice and you really think, wow, this place is really where I wanna be. And I remember looking back last semester, I was taking marketing class and I asked the professor, uh, we were doing a portfolio, personal portfolio. And I was like, hey, can I do it for my business? And I remember him saying no in all caps and an explanation mark on the end. And I'm like, this guy's just killing creativity. Like I wanna make this about my business to be proactive and kill two birds with one stone. But like Dembski said, I truly believe that schools kill creativity, at least the core schools, entrepreneurship, really boasts the creativity. So moving on to the next question, Dembski, how do we get in a creative mindset? Creative mindsets don't come from one day you waking up and being like, I wanna be creative. I guess in a way they kinda do. But for the most part, it comes from random inputs. If I'm really trying to think of a creative idea for a certain add-on or something for at least my business for my app. I've been thinking for the past few weeks about things I could add on, more things I could do for consumers, really make that experience even more valuable. And nothing. It's blank. And then so then I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I just got to come back to it later and, and we'll come back to it later. Still nothing there. But for me, creativity comes from the middle of nowhere, whether I'm just laying down in bed, not even thinking about it at all. And all of a sudden, a light bulb turns on in my head. All of a sudden I'm creative in that way, figuring out new features I can add in or not even focusing it on at all. Watch in the middle of a movie here, could not be thinking about the movie itself. And then all of a sudden just something clicks in my brain like, oh, I can add that. So I think personally, how do I get into a creative mindset is not trying and forcing yourself to get into a creative mindset. It's letting those that creativity come naturally. And that's how I get my most creative ideas. Forcing myself always gets half-baked, terrible ideas that end up never working out, but not really trying to force myself to it. It kind of come, pops up. And so uh, I guess an exercise maybe people could have, like I mentioned earlier, maybe those street lights as I was walking back just randomly popped in my head, oh, how could I make those cooler? And then I was just thinking about that. I have no plan to ever make that a business or anything. Like just, just thinking about ran, random things, like, oh, how could make that cooler? What, what would be cool about this? That's how I uh, kind of get myself into the mental mode of constantly being creative, of just even random things, thinking about, oh, man, that might be cool, like cool design here or a cool feature for this app or that app. Different apps, not my, my business app. But... Um, just kind of kind of letting that creativity flow. 100% agreeing with Mike on this one, just naturally letting it flow, not forcing it. It's definitely something that naturally happens. And like Mike said, these random things that pop up gave me these creativity ideas. Like I watch documentaries, podcasts, whatever it is, and it naturally comes to me like podcast ideas and stuff like that. I Something popped into my head when I was sitting at my desk just kind of thinking. Naturally, it came to me. I was like, maybe I can make another episode a week, so having three episodes instead of two, but I can make it shorter, like 10-minute Friday or something. And my creativity just boasted, and it happened all naturally. So definitely want to capitalize that creativity should happen naturally. It shouldn't be something you force necessarily because like Dembski said it doesn't come out 100% well moving on to the final question do you have any books or podcast recommendations for the audience oh boy do I um I'm a real big podcast person 
books sometimes not uh, not my sweet spot i really like to be active so sometimes sitting down and forcing myself to read a book can be hard for me personally i've been making an effort for it getting better at that i do have a lot of really good podcasts first off probably my favorite right now it's called the all in podcast it's run by jason calcanis it's got chamath Palihapitiya in it also david Sachs, david freeberg very big silicon valley investors they really wide diverse cast in their specialties and political views so get a lot of unique interesting views from that one this week in startups that's also by jason calcanis he has a bunch of founders on love it learn a lot another is how i built this by uh, reed hoffman he has so many different broad range of founders on not necessarily even from just tech startups from from i know ben and jerry's was on there i was just listening to so real interesting stuff and then finally startup school radio it's by y combinator they have a lot of good companies <laughs> coming through there they can see ideas before it seems like anyone else can so seem like pretty pretty smart people those are uh those are my recommendations sweet thanks again dembski for spending time with me with this interview it was a lot of fun I learned a lot and I know the audience will learn a lot through this process. I know you put in some time to your answers and just giving me the time of day to be here and help others become better people overall. Again, thank you, Dembski. Is there anything else you want to say before we head out? No, besides, thank you so much for having me on, Hunter. I wish everybody listening the best, developing their creativity, thinking outside the box, getting those best ideas in. Yeah, keep killing it, Hunter. Thanks, Dembski, for your kind words. I really appreciate it. Just trying to grow the podcast and better people's lives with motivation, broad business, and just knowledge as a whole and spreading the word of happiness and motivation. Love you guys. With that being said, cue the outro. This was the Relentless College Entrepreneur Podcast. Think outside of the box. I'll see you guys on the next episode.